You're listening to The Cutting Edge, presented by Hilleberg the Tentmaker. This is Petra Hilleberg, President and CEO of Hilleberg the Tentmaker. For over 45 years, we have specialized exclusively in building strong, lightweight tents and in never compromising on quality of materials or construction. From the very beginning, we have been family-owned and family-run. Our tents have become the go-to choice for discerning outdoor adventurers all over the world, and especially for those who travel in challenging terrain and conditions and who demand utter reliability from their equipment. Conceived and developed in northern Sweden, our tents are made in Europe, built to last, and offer the ideal balance of high strength, low weight, ease of use, and remarkable comfort. Hello and welcome back to The Cutting Edge. This is Dougal McDonald, editor of the American Alpine Journal and host of this show. We've been gone for a couple of months. As you know, COVID-19 has canceled expeditions all over the world, and we decided to take a pause as well. But now we're back and we're featuring some great climbs from the upcoming AAJ. First up is Matteo Della Bordella from Italy, who appeared previously on The Cutting Edge way back in Episode 7. He and Sylvan Schupach had climbed a remote first ascent in Chilean Patagonia, Approaching the mountain by sea kayak. In September of last year, Matteo was in India with Luca Schiera and Matteo Di Zayacomo attempting the west face of Bhagirati 4. Lots of listeners may not have heard of this mountain. It's located in the spectacular Gangotri group of northern India, home to famous peaks like Shivling and Meru, the mountain in the movie. Bhagirati 4 is 6,193 meters high and its incredibly steep west face is about 800 meters tall. This wall was unclimbed despite many attempts. These same three Italians had made two attempts on this face back in 2015, but high on their line they ran into the notorious shale and schist band that crowns all of the Bhagirati peaks. These mountains have solid golden granite most of the way, but the summit slopes are guarded by incredibly loose plates of black and gray rock. The Italians couldn't find a way through, and they bailed. Four years later, they were back. After a couple of dramatic false starts on the face, with time running out, they decided for a Hail Mary attempt, going super light and fast. The key would be an unlikely traverse that they had identified in 2015. Leaving their original line and heading straight across the face for 60 meters, hoping to breach the ominous shale band at the top. Chris Kalman interviewed Matteo soon after he had emerged from Italy's strict coronavirus lockdown and started climbing again. I hope you enjoy their talk. I'm here with Matteo Della Bordella. And before I really jump into the interview, I do want to just express my condolences um, for the loss of your dear friend, Matteo Bernasconi, who passed away recently in an avalanche in a ski mountaineering accident in the Central Alps. Um, I was really, really sorry to hear about that and there's just no words. So, um, I hope that you're doing well and as well as possible. And thank you for talking with us so soon after that accident. Yeah. Thanks Chris for, uh, for your talks. Yeah. I, last week was really, really terrible because, uh, Matteo Bernasconi, uh, Berna was really, really a close friend like a older brother for me. 
I mean, if I think to how many adventures we had together in Patagonia, Torreger, we really like learned together climbing these mountains. So I couldn't believe to walk up uh, one day from the other and hear about his loss. It's really tragedy also for uh, uh, wife and kids and his daughter. He had a daughter. So, but yeah. Last week was really tough, but now, of course, we, we have to move on, staying close to the family and and look to the future, of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, thanks for those words. Really sad. Um, I do want to um, talk about your incredible climb. So... Um, what drew you guys to that wall in the first place? I mean, uh, I I looked uh, since uh, some years to the group of Bagirati because uh, I was really fascinated. I was uh, really looking forward to um, to some place where you could combine uh, hard rock climb with altitude. And they, in fact, there are not many places mm-hmm. like this in the world. I mean, there is Trango Towers, some places in Pakistan. And uh, and this place in India, which uh, I thought it was uh, a bit uh, of uh, a step more, maybe uh, rather than Trango, where I've been a few years before. And so, yeah, that uh, that was the main driver that uh, brought us to Bagirati. And then doing some researches uh, in the American Alpine Journal, of course, because that's the main source where I <laughs> type the name of the mountains mm-hmm. lots of times. <laughs> Um, it turned out that, uh, well, Bagirati 3, I already knew about that. There, there were lots of big routes, like legendary climbs. And uh, Bagirati mm-hmm. 2 also had some routes, uh, maybe less, uh, less uh, elegant for me, less uh, attractive than Bagirati 3. And then there was mm-hmm. this Bagirati 4 in the middle with no routes. And so I was, wow, why does it, it doesn't have any routes? And actually, also the information you can find on that uh, was really minimal. I mean, I knew about a s- few attempts, but uh, but not much. I mean, there they were not like big reports or uh, or articles or or anything. And so I, I guess that was the main reason, like going to trying something a bit unknown and uh, not done yet. Uh, right, right. So. You went in there not knowing too much about it. What were your first impressions when you got to the base of the wall? We in 2015, we the expedition was a bit weird because we arrived there like in um, middle of August. We are we got to base camp I think around 20 of August. It was supposed to be monsoon time, but uh, in fact the weather was perfect. I mean, really like blue sky and no rain maybe maybe one afternoon it did a little bit of rain but not much and so we nice. we were a bit surprised because uh, um on on one end we wanted to jump on the climb on the other end it was totally sure. new place we were not acclimatized lots of question marks mm-hmm. and so we we tried to hurry up and uh, and see how, how were those mountains I think they, the first impression was of some uh, 
uh, tough, severe mountains because uh, also because of the exposition, you know, they were west faces. So in the morning mm -hmm. was um, even if uh, it was blue sky and good weather, it was really cold, uh, like below freezing, um, uh, quite a few degrees below freezing, maybe minus 10 or something at ABC, which was at 5,000. And then after, super warm. And so like also uh, we could hear a lot of um, stone fallings from the couloirs. Uh, and around, you know, so we were, uh, we we immediately had, had the impression of a tough place. Yeah, and you guys were planning to climb it in big wall style, right, with portal edges and spending a long time on the wall. Yeah, right. Uh, the wall we estimated to be like eight hundred meters of uh, mostly vertical mm -hmm. rock. So we were we were planning a few days, maybe like three, four days, something like that, to to climb. Gotcha. I mean, also, also uh, the other routes in uh, on Bagirati Tree were mainly done in uh, in that style. So we we were prepared mm -hmm. on, for big walling, yeah. And um, and then the particularity of these uh, of these mountains, I mean, for for the people that uh, don't know uh, Bagiratis, is that uh, Basically, three quarters of the mountain is made of granite. And then the last quarter, mm -hmm. maybe 200 meters, is made of shale, uh, which is really, really loose. I mean, I've already climbed right. shale, like in Patagonia, where there are these shale, uh, how do you say, stripes in the mountains. And, mm -hmm. talk, and talk, okay, yep. I mean, it's loose, but yeah, maybe it's climbable. But here in Bagirati, it's right. for sure a lot, lot worse. It's really uh, crumbling. Uh, I don't know how to define it. Like the worst rock I've seen, and that's um, and that's quite particular. And it's because I think those were the old mountains. I mean, geo from the geological point of view, those were like the old mountains, the shade, mm. which kind of burned when the new mountains, new granite mountains formed with the Himalaya uh, chain, something like that. I mean, I don't know. It's, gotcha. I'm not the geologist, but something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. For, for those of you out there listening to this, definitely um, check out our Instagram feed or um, our website because we're going to have some pictures of this this wall. And that shale band on top is really, really harrowing looking. Um, it just, you can tell just looking at it, it's made to crumble. Yeah. Right. So Matteo, tell me, so how, how far did you guys get on that 2015 expedition and what eventually shut you down? So on 2015, we, we were able to do two, two attempts. The first attempt, we, we just basically jumped on the wall few days after arriving at base camp and we were not acclimatized uh it was too hard the line we chose and so we bailed after the first day we realized we were not ready and then we did we did um second good attempt uh, where we picked up uh, a line on the right side uh, of the face and we we climbed for two full days in the granite, holding our portalage and uh, and beaving, of course, in the, in the portalage. And then on the third day, we met the shale band, and uh, 
Well, we, we, as I said, I, I thought, uh, we could somehow climb it because, uh, maybe it was not so steep. Maybe the rock was not too bad. In fact, there are also other right. routes climbing the shale, like on Bagirati tree, there is Silvo Carol's route. Well, it climbs overhanging mm-hmm. shale. So, so we thought we could climb wow. it, but in fact, uh, <laughs> there was no way we spent uh, half a day mm. trying to, to go up. We we had the end drill for bolts, but uh, we we didn't rely on bolts on that rock, and uh, yeah. um, and so basically we bailed because uh, we <laughs> we couldn't do it. There the, we did no excuses. Yeah. Like uh, we, we were not able <laughs> to, to go up. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> no weather issues. Nobody got sick. The the no, no, the rock no just won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So that was 2015. Um, why did it take you guys until 2019 to go back? And and you went back with the same team, correct? Right. Yeah. We have because there are so many good mountains to climb all over the world. <laughs> so yeah. It took. Yeah. Uh, it took a few time. Also, I think it was really good to go back with the same guys because. Uh, we all yeah. three of us were really psyched for that. I mean, motivation was really high in, in everyone, and uh, that's very important in a team because if you have different levels of uh, of psych or motivation, it, it's always harder. And uh, well, the team um, it was uh, it was uh, almost the same. Like um, in 2015, the, the climbing team was the same. Then in 2015 uh, at base camp. Uh, we were also with my girlfriend, Arianna, who did some filming. While in 2019, mm. uh, there is this funny story that Giga, uh, Matteo De Zayacomo, his nickname is Giga. And um, uh-huh. every time he leaves for an expedition, his father gives him some, uh, uh, some, some lucky charm, some, how do you say? In, in, <laughs> I don't know some some something to bring luck. Yeah, you know? lucky charms about right. Yeah. yeah, like a talisman or something. Yeah, like a talisman or something. No? But then this time he talked that uh, for this wall, a talisman or lucky charm was not enough. So he wanted his father to come. <laughs> <laughs> the lucky charm. Itself. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh-huh. So that time uh, the team was also with his father, who uh, anyway didn't come with us on the wall, but he was. Uh, uh, looking at uh, at base camp with us, and um, cool. I think it was it was good to wait four years because uh, uh, yeah. in four years many things can change and you can really see the difference right. if you get better or worse or you are the same. And mm. so um, mm-hmm. we, we're all very curious about that. Well, I want to uh, pause real quick and read something from the write-up you did for Planet Mountain, because I just thought it was so good. So this is from your report from 2019. Um, You guys have already been there for a few days. You're kind of have all of your big wall gear to the base. Um, You're, you're getting psyched. And then you write, you write the following. While I'm lost in my thoughts, it's Mateo who catches my attention. Look, Mateo, look! He's evidently alarmed, and I rush out of my tent just in time to see a spectacle that leaves me speechless. 
blocks the size of cars bouncing precisely down the line we'd intended on climbing the next day. They shatter into a thousand pieces and then continue tumbling downhill, covering the entire face with debris until they reach the pedestal and then the scree slope. Ten minutes later, I'm taken aback once again as there's an encore, and this time I get to watch it from a front row seat. Other rocks detach from the top band of shale on Bhagirathi 4, bounce downwards and channel right toward us. I watch as the debris falls down the two corners, then then onto the slabs before slowing down on the pedestal. No one dares to breathe. (laughs) Do you want to walk me through that moment and what you guys were thinking at that time? I mean, rocks the size of cars bouncing down literally exactly where you were going to be the very next day. Uh, The first thought was that uh, we should have gone home the following day. (laughs) I mean, we're really totally shocked i mean it was such a yeah. show you you never would like to see in your life because yeah. you, can, you think i mean if we just had started one day earlier imagine if we just had started right. one day earlier so i uh, really sometimes you guys would uh, be all gone yeah for sure can make uh, such a huge difference it's crazy uh, it's crazy and, right. and that was also totally unexpected i mean I, it was just totally unexpected, but the, the big difference was that uh, in 2015, as I said, it was cold. I mean, uh, we arrived there, yeah. and I remember really the cold. And in 2019, it was warm, incredibly warm. Like in uh-huh. camp, it was never freezing at night. And uh, and that night, in fact, uh, after the, um, the, the rockfall, that night it didn't freeze at more than 5,000 meters, which is... It's pretty, uh, I mean, it's it's quite rare. And I think it's, uh, I don't know how many times it happens in, in India in September, beginning or end of August. I mean, not, not like in July or uh, that's supposed to be a cold place. So, but apart, apart for those signals, which, uh, yeah, were a bit intimidating, but uh, it's you know it's not uh, it's not as snow or ice routes where you really put lots of attention on temperatures it's rock and the rock even if it's warm right. is not supposed to come down right mm. we were desperate we we thought of going home next mm. day yeah can you explain how you guys decided eventually not to go home and to make another attempt I mean, how did that thought process occur? Because I like there, there are whole crags where, or like, you know, think about the big rock fall on half dome, like people waited months before getting on that again, because it's just scary. If there's a rock fall, the size of cars, it only takes a rock, the size of a football to kill you. And for sure, there's going to be some of those just like hanging out precariously on ledges. You know, how'd you guys decide to give it a shot? Right. Uh, so, so I think first of all, in expedition, one, what I, what I learned is for me, at least one of the key of success is uh, having time. So like we had time, not, not a lot of time, but still we had like mm-hmm. 30 days or time or something. And we are prepared. We were prepared also to postpone flights if needed because we really. 
Before starting, gotcha. we really wanted to climb that wall. So we said, okay, we do have a lot of time and uh, we take your time to see. So there was no rush. In fact, when, next day we went back to base camp and there was no rush at all. We took like three, four days only bouldering, doing nothing. So like chilling out at base camp. Mm -hmm. And right. uh and after we we tried to to analyze a bit more the situation and uh, uh so so the logical the it appeared another logical uh possibility to us for not giving up uh, completely um changing a mountain which was an option or um uh, mm -hmm. sure. going going where the wall is more overhanging like uh, in the center, the wall is yeah. uh, it's steeper, and we thought that of course uh, we were more sheltered from possible uh, other possible rockfalls. And uh, since we yeah. really wanted to climb um, this wall, we and since we had time, so because of these two things, uh, we opted mm -hmm. for for this option. So for uh, for give it a try, mm -hmm. like in in the center of the face. Which is actually the line, uh, right. more or less, is the line already tried um, many times by Silvo Caro and some Spanish and uh, and other climbers. Yeah, looking at the picture, is there sort of like a central dihedral system? Yeah. Like, is that the line that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's it's also if you look to the wall, I think that's the line. That's the most logical line you see. Yeah. And, uh, uh -huh. And we thought okay. that uh, maybe I mean, it was uh, harder than our line, our original intended line tried in 2015 of the Rockford. But we thought that maybe yeah. like in five, six days or something, we we could do it in big wall style. Sure. Uh, we gave it a try. Uh, we climbed. I mean, mm -hmm. we, could, uh, we we did some. I think we did some variation from the the previous attempts line uh, mm. because uh, basically because of, I hate aiding and I always look for free climbing even if it's less <laughs> right traverses a lot, <laughs> but because I'm not sure, good at aiding, sure. I get scared very easily. So <laughs> try yeah. to do that. Yeah. And uh, well, the point is that uh, after two full climbing days, uh, third day, we reached what, uh, looking from the ground, uh, it uh, seems to be like the the end of the question marks because it uh, seems like the dihedral uh, is getting uh, is getting really continuous to the summit. But in fact, this dihedral yeah. was completely blind, totally blind. And uh, uh, what do you mean blind? Like sealed, kind of? Like the, yeah, there was no like, crack? Yeah, like you couldn't even put knife blades, maybe peckers or. Uh, ah, mm -hmm. but not the. Gotcha. I I bet also maybe not even peckers. I mean, really hard aid. Like uh, yeah, for getting mm -hmm. there, we already did some aid. Uh, we did some pendulums uh, in, to in between yeah. different crack systems. But from there on, it was really like uh, hard aid, and I suck in aiding. And gotcha. <laughs> my friends maybe are a bit better than me, but we didn't have any proper gear. And uh, so once again, uh -huh. once again, we gave up, and uh, 
were shut down not by uh, not by a particular factor, but because of uh, uh, how do you say? Because we were not uh, able to to go up. We we're not good enough. Yeah, a good eight climber would have gone up, I guess, up there. And so that was the end of our second attempt. And there. After that attempt, we really brought everything back to base camp and called the expedition over after that. Yeah, that, that's what I read. And that's yeah. probably the point at which I would have turned my attentions to bouldering. <laughs> or yeah. let's be honest, I probably would have just been bouldering the whole time. <laughs> there is some good but, um, there, so, <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. it looks looks spectacular. Yeah. Um, so then something happened. Uh, you want to go into a little bit of detail about what that was? It was kind of like a dream or something. The way you described it on Planet Mountain, it was very surreal. The point was that uh, we, all the three of us, we didn't want to give up. I mean, we wanted to wait until the last moment and... Uh, play mm -hmm. all the cards that we have. And uh, what sure. happened, which I guess was a bit also the key uh, that uh, that made our take this decision is that eventually temperatures dropped. And so uh, then we were at base camp and in, in the night it was cold, like the cold we had in 2015. And we were feeling mm. really fit. I mean, it was really uh, hard to accept uh, that we were feeling in such a good shape after yeah. it was almost 30 days at base camp because we, we spent a lot of time uh, uh, in, in between attempts and resting and everything. I mean, we didn't feel altitude. We were feeling in the best shape uh, of our life, maybe in altitude. And so, like, uh, mm. I thought uh, we could climb... We we should uh, we could give it a try to climb it as fast as we could. Ideally, in a day or maximum in two. We were going to take BV gear because hmm. without BV gear it can be pretty spicy up there. I mean, in the night it, it can yeah. go down uh, maybe at six thousand or some minus fifteen or or something. So like we we wanted mm -hmm. to take BV gear and um, and in fact, I I was uh, uh, I I didn't know how to tell it to my friends because in this case, uh, if you if you don't share the same ideas, if you are not uh, um, very convinced and uh, psyched or motivated for what you do, it's just enough one that is skeptical, has some doubts that all the project fails. But in fact, when I mm. when I told mm -hmm. um, my idea to to the guys, they, I guess they were also thinking the same, but didn't dare uh, speaking probably because uh, they accepted immediately, and uh, cool. And so and so we started again with uh, with uh, lighter packs, uh, of course without portage, uh, try to minimize everything. We started again and uh, we gave it a shot uh, as fast as we could. Right. So did you have a plan in mind for where you might bivy if you had to, or were you just thinking like standing in eight or if you needed to? Or no. What was your plan? 
No, we were we were thinking that if uh, we we hadn't made it uh, after the big traverse in the first day, we were mm. rappelling because uh, uh, gotcha. being uh, under the rockfall, the, the place of the rockfall was uh, too much for us. Uh, yeah, uh, a too big take for us. And uh, plus, we we also planned uh, to be to be fast with minimal stuff, and and so we said that uh, the the minimal goal for the day was like the traverse, which is uh, maybe seventy percent or eighty percent of uh, of the climb of the rock. Gotcha. It, it it sounded a bit of an ambitious goal because like. In 2015, we took two days to get there. So why should uh, we have gone in in one day this year? Well, the answer was that we were a lot fitter, we were lighter, and uh, mm -hmm. we were psyched for for rushing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, uh, and it worked somehow. <laughs> so, um. What time did you guys get like a really early start to try and maximize the amount of time you were under that that rockfall without being exposed to sunlight? Yeah, exactly. We had to uh, find some compromise with that, with uh, starting very early in the cold and uh, and of course minimizing mm -hmm. the risk of rockfall. In the end, we started from ABC at midnight. And so we we started climbing around 3 a.m. in the night. Luckily, Luca uh, is very good in the cold, so he led the the first mm. block of pitches, and uh, and he went up. Uh, he went up very well. He, he went very fast in the nice. first block, and then he he gave me he gave me the lead in the second block. Uh, the pitches I I led were maybe the best pitches of the route. The centered pitches. I mean, four years ago. Ah, lucky really, you. <laughs> no, were were because four years ago they were really good. Now they will they uh -huh. were all covered with dust and debris from the rockfall. Like oh. The Feel I guess the the shale really break in, in many uh -huh. pieces and dust, and uh, you know it's like in. When when you bolt a crag and you have to 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 brush all, all the the dust right from, uh, from... <laughs> right <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was something like that they were very slippery but uh, but well at least uh, they, they were more or less protectable plus the um, uh -huh. difficulties were not too high and we were very acclimatized so we could go fast yeah. And, uh, so and, when uh, you say the difficulties were not so high, what like are you guys climbing? Uh, they were the six C seven A range, so five eleven uh, five eleven range. Uh -huh. There was a there was a pitch uh, um, which uh, which was uh, harder in the lower part, but uh, uh, Luca had freed in two thousand fifteen. We gave it seven B, but this mm -hmm. time he. Didn't free. He pulled some camps because uh, to to go fast. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, sure, sure. Be the grade is um, we put the free grade because it was already freed uh, four years ago. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, I mean, sixty seven A. Sometimes a good year. Sometimes some runouts, but nothing crazy. Nothing. I mean, yeah. 
we could uh, we could cruise it. So I mean that's that's exhausting just free climbing at that grade like at at low elevation without the cracks being covered in dust. But you guys uh, you made pretty good time. What time was it when you got to the traverse? We got to the traverse uh, that the sun was arriving into the face. So I guess it was in between 11 and midday, maybe midday, something like that. Right. Consider right. days are quite short at 6 uh, uh, p.m. Uh, gets dark uh, in that season. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, well, to, until the traverse, uh, it was the known uh, part of the climb. After it was yeah. the line we imagined, but we which we had never uh, climbed, in fact, because until the traverse, uh-huh. I mean, 2015, after it was a question mark, and in fact, uh, the traverse uh, it took uh, it took a, a bit of time because um, it was uh, the rock was pretty smooth. It, it was um, features were really poor in the end i could do a, a pendulum we had to leave a, a camp but yeah whatever and uh and the traverse was in fact uh basically a 60 meters 60 meters like quite long a very long pitch and were were you still in granite at that time or was was the rock starting to were you kind of in the shale at that point no no it was uh still granite then after the traverse mm-hmm. there were another um three pitches no uh, two or three pitches, I don't remember, two or three pitches I led, uh, and um, uh, like uh, in a diagonal ramp, I mean, uh, kind uh-huh. of ramp, uh, we could, I could protect it quite well. And then we, we arrived to a very good ledge. Uh, it was already like um, 5.30, something like that. We could also have bivied there, but there was no water at all. Uh, no hmm. snow, nothing, and uh, and we could see the summit close now. I mean, we could see the the shape hmm. just uh, fifteen meters above us, and uh, so we said, okay, we let's go. So then Luca took the lead uh-huh. again, and uh, he did this uh, this pitch of granite, and then uh, the schist, the schist. Uh, I think we were really lucky that we there was a. A, a corner, a very narrow corner with uh, jugs on the side, so we could climb it. And while Luca was climbing it, there was a rain of uh, small uh, pieces of uh, of stones uh, falling on me. Uh-huh. Very small, no, but uh, like yeah. the, how do you call the the thing you put on the roofs of the houses? Uh, like shingles. <laughs> yes, yes, like small shingles. And uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and it, well, yeah, I think he put some gear, but basically you have to run it out. But it was uh, that pitch was uh, the rock was really bad, was very muddy, but uh, luckily yeah. it was it was not hard. I think. I mean, I I drew more that pitch, but uh, but uh-huh. I, I don't think it was hard. But then uh, the the night arrived. And there was still another pitch in the mm. schist before the snow and no more ledges to be with. So there, mm. <laughs> uh, the situation was a bit more tricky yeah. because either a night hanging in the, in the harnesses or try to go up. Yeah. And there, Luca was very lucky to find that granite vein in the schist. So like there was all the schist. But then really? Was, yeah, he could, uh, because that pitch was hard. It was maybe 60, it was 
it was dark. It was oh man, it was very steep, but at least he could put uh, remember some very good gear in this uh, in nice. this vein. And then we arrived to the um, to the final snow field. Wow, that's fortunate. Yeah, <laughs> you you think that you guys would have like figured it out and eventually succeeded if that granite vein hadn't been there, or do you think it's possible it could have shut you down? But no, I don't think it would have it would have uh, shut us down because we were really close uh-huh. to the to the summit, and maybe we could have looked for other traversing possibilities or or something. Sure. But uh, yeah. uh, we would have uh, had to be there and uh, pass like a terrible night. Right. Plus, I think yeah. after <laughs> the, the big traverse, the big 60 meters traverse, going down the route, it's really, really difficult. I mean, it's not impossible because with uh, two racks of camps, you, you go down uh, from pretty much everywhere mm. but still it it's very very mm. tricky you cannot go back uh, the same route so it's kind of a, yeah. a yeah. turning back point cool so you guys made it to the the final snow slope in the dark and uh you had one pair of crampons among the three of you is that right yeah yeah right our our style of um, so the our style of climbing was this uh leader climbing uh second uh jumaring third which was a mm-hmm. giga matteo de zayacomo jumaring uh-huh. with uh, the heavy backpack so he did really oh. nice, the dirt job the dirt work yeah he was he was amazing in doing that because he carried everything i mean me and luca were like climbing like when you go cragging or like doing the free blast uh, and then and then going nice. out with minimal <laughs> minimal uh, only only the necessary for climbing and Giga was carrying everything. So I mean, even if yeah. we minimize uh, all we could, uh, then since we brought sleeping bags, the the all the backpack was heavy, you know. And uh, it's kind of amazing when you've got someone on your team that's willing yeah. to do that and not just willing, but like able to do it very well. You know, that's that's, I think, a very underrated skill in, you know, alpine and big wall climbing. Yeah, right. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Usually, usually when we do a party of three, I mean, we try mm-hmm. to climb uh, two people climbing and only one uh, doing the the, the dirty job so i mean at least you climb yeah. two thirds of the wall but now we just were thinking of yeah. uh, optimize everything so that was the the mm-hmm. strategy and uh and yes in the end we also had uh, one pair of crampons uh, in three and uh well on the on the ascent that was not super yeah. tricky because i could uh, anyway always do some anchors somehow i could find some uh-huh some rocks or the snow was was very good so i could uh, put on yeah the the ice axe so i could uh, find a way mm. but then the next day on the descent mm. it was endless <laughs> the <laughs> the descent without mm. crampons uh, we we took like maybe three times the normal time you would have taken with uh, with crampons but uh, 
of course when you when you take uh, this compromise you have to pay some some price no yeah so uh what was your guys descent path i i take it given your description then you guys didn't go back down the wall no right yeah we but we we already planned to to go back on the other side so we arrived mm-hmm. uh, on the um, on the summit uh, in the night it was uh, i think mm-hmm. a little bit before midnight or or around midnight a bit before and then uh, we just did uh, one uh, one rappel on the other side and we just uh, spent a few hours in the sleeping bags uh, waiting for for the mm-hmm. for the light and then we went back mm-hmm. uh, on the east face which is actually very easy i mean it's uh, hmm. it's really you can almost normally you can almost walk or maybe do sh- some shorter rappels the problem was that the terrain was uh, mm-hmm. completely frozen. So even if it was mm-hmm. not snowy without crampons, you couldn't stand on the, um, on the shale because uh, yeah, this shale is really weird. I mean, uh, but when it's frozen, you, you just sleep. So um, one had to lower down the other two guys for 60 meters, then down climb. That maybe sometimes we were doing some rappels. Yeah, we took uh, we took almost a day to do something that uh, normally takes just a couple of hours, I guess. Wow, what an incredible climb! Um, how much total terrain did you guys aid? Because it doesn't sound like very much. So, like, um, basically, there was this. Uh, Pitch of 7B in the first part of the route, which uh, mm-hmm. uh, we free climbed in 2015, but uh, that time uh, mm-hmm. uh, Luca pulled some camps. And then uh, uh, the rest, uh, it, was, uh, it was a pendulum uh, on the traverse uh-huh. and another, um, another meter, another two meters on, the, on one pitch after the traverse. Uh, because uh-huh. I was I was scared of falling. Yeah, I didn't feel like falling. There were some loose rocks, and so I just pulled the cam. Otherwise, yeah, it was uh, free climbing. Yeah. So, um, did you guys get your fill, or you think you're going to come back in another four years and try and free it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean it, that, free in a day. Free in a day. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're done. I mean, that place, Bagirat, is really yeah. beautiful place. I mean, I recommend it to every yeah. listener of this podcast. Uh, the, the place is amazing, but also from a from an, an environmental point of view, it's really green and uh, mm. such a peaceful mm. place with beautiful view on shivling, some some boulders. It's it's really um, hmm. very nice. It's not as as dry as you imagine uh, high mountains. Uh, like um, when you go to Pakistan, everything is very dry. I, I think no, very harsh. In uh, in India, no, it's more like in the Alps, but uh, higher. Hmm. So I would recommend wow. to go there. But I think uh, now it's time to go. I mean, go when 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 we will be able to go. It will be time to go somewhere else. Look for. New places. Cool. Well, hey, before we hop off here, I wanted to just chat with you about the Ronnie Dileco a little bit. Um, 
you're the president of the Ranyi, aren't you? Yes, correct. So do you want to give our listeners just a little bit of background about what the Ranyi Dileko is and the kind of things you guys do? Because I'm not sure that, you know, everyone out there listening really knows uh, that much about it, even though we probably know the names of many of your members. <laughs> Summing up the history of Rani Dilecco in a few words. <laughs> <laughs> Hard task. Sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah, the Rani Dilecco got famous for some credible climbs like in the 60s and in the 70s. I mean, the group was founded in 1946. But then uh, mm-hmm. uh, the probably the first big expedition which made the group famous was... Um, uh, the first ascent of the South Buttress of uh, Denali in Alaska, where uh, the team received mm. also the telegram from the, the president, Kennedy. And uh, mm. then after that, uh, the, um, the name of the group was uh, very tightly linked to, to Patagonia because uh, uh, the, the other big milestone is the first uh, confirmed ascent of Cerro Torre from the West Face in 1974. And after mm-hmm. that, there were really like be a huge amount of other big first ascent in Patagonia, maybe a bit less famous, but uh, still really, mm-hmm. really tough. And they were uh, Rani wrote like the history of of these mountains in particular. And uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean the the golden ages of Rani were like sixties, seventies, eighties. Then maybe in the nineties, the group. Uh, lost a bit uh, uh, because uh, you know uh, in the past uh, alpines used to be more like uh, uh, something very related to the group and then uh, mm-hmm. like in the 90s it, it changed more to the individual and so like uh, maybe hmm. there was that there was a time of crisis in the group because maybe it was lost for uh, some time the spirit uh, the spirit of the group and there were some difficulties mm. in the group no but then um, well i think um, after in the in the year 2000 a new generation of uh, of guys came uh, the one that uh, i was inspired uh, uh, to to climb with and i also learned from in the group and I think uh, in the last year we we found back a bit uh, some of the hmm. philosophy that uh, was with the original Rani, but uh, we try to do it in a modern style. Or uh, I would I say like we still uh, uh, try to do expedition and uh, climb always as a team of friends. But of course we we follow. New style of alpinism, uh, uh, which is taking the direction of alpine style, trying to go as light as you can, free climbing, uh, looking for uh, mm-hmm. uh, new routes in, in technical places. So, like uh, uh, this direction, which nowadays, uh, especially in Italy, is not really mainstream because now nah, because. Hmm. Fortunately, in Italy, maybe in the US a bit less, but in Italy, it's still uh, very mainstream for the public, uh, like the 8,000ers and 
and those kind of uh, ah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that he's is bad. I mean, it's I have nothing against sure. that, but uh, that's that's not our style. We are more like um, yeah. towards a technical uh, style of alpinism. Um, lot, uh, lot. Uh, we are really our style. I would say is more rock rather than ice or snow. I mean, Lecco mm, is uh, mm-hmm. a town surrounded by rocks. It's not really in uh, in big mountains. We have lake and we have uh, mm. we have uh, limestone, rock limestone, and so I think it's uh-huh. normal that um, our cultures uh, favors uh, tends to favor rock rather than uh, uh, other. It's not that we don't uh, do ice climbing, but sure. we, for sure we like more and we are better on uh, on rock. So. Ranyi is spider and Lecco is where it's from. So you guys are the spiders of Lecco, right? Right. Yes. Spider with seven okay. legs. Ah, spider with seven legs? Yeah. Our spider has seven Why? legs. Why? <laughs> what happened for- to the eighth? <laughs> they forgot one. <laughs> ah, it's always been with seven legs. So, <laughs> yeah. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> And and is that is Lecco like a town in the Dolomites? No, no, Lecco is uh, north of Milan. Uh, okay, a beautiful lake. Uh, the, the, the everyone knows the Lake of Como. In fact, it's the same lake, and in Lecco, it's known as the Lake of Lecco. But it's a, it's a, it's it's just one lake. <laughs> yeah, and uh-huh. uh, okay. basically, um, basically, the town is just there on this. This branch of the lake and uh, up the the mountain, the local mountain is the Grigna, uh, Grignetta, Grigna and Grignetta is two different mountains, but uh, the name is okay. very similar. It's made up of uh, um, limestone uh, pinnacles. The the Grignetta is very, it's like a little do- dolma. Uh, it, it's like uh, Dolomiti, hmm. but smaller and uh, gotcha. much smaller. But it's um, playground uh, we are very attached for uh, historical reason and because also it's uh, mm. our playground cool well thanks for that little history lesson um i know i enjoyed it i think probably a lot of other people will too and i think it's a good note to end on um i i know we'll be hearing more from you and other ranya in the future uh do you have any other like goals up your sleeve for when uh, for when we're allowed to go climb around the world again? Big question. <laughs> yes, lots of, but uh, we will see what we can do. Thanks to Matteo and Chris for sharing the story of this impressive climb. A cold 800-meter wall climbed nearly all free, entirely above 5,000 meters. Thanks also to Hilleberg the Tentmaker for their stalwart support of this show. Find their informative catalog at Hilleberg.com. Before I go, a request. We often have difficulty getting top-quality sound while interviewing climbers all over the world, and we don't have the in-house expertise to optimize these recordings. If you have some audio engineering skills and would like to help us out, we'd love to hear from you. The impact of COVID-19 makes it impossible for us to hire expert help, but if you're interested in volunteering, you can reach me at aaj.americanalpineclub.org. Until next time, this is Dougal McDonald wishing you good health and happy climbs. Thank you.